0: Fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Havener.
1: Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pyle trying to it
0: In
2: for the touchdown. What a great
0: second
1: over. Here comes the.
2: Come come the come Who come Here comes the.
0: Oh, here comes the. Oh, here comes the oh. I said so, I keep big bills up in my heart, don't look dirty like blood, so I ain't got no twist in my head.
1: But-
2: Wolfpack, what is going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street, here with our usual Thursday DFS preview. Of course, we got me and Jimbo Slice in the house, our third episode. We've been in the cash both times for the GPP tournaments for both uh, first episodes. Haven't won you the million, so sorry you couldn't retire quite yet, but this is going to be the episode. And the reason why is we've got a third joining us tonight. we got Ian Harditz of Roto World, I think for like the 10th time on the podcast. A great friend of the pod, always records some fire with us. Ian, how's everything going? How you doing, man?
0: Great to be here, man. Ready to take
2: down that millie with you guys. This is the week. Absolutely, yeah. I've been saying that for about three years now. I'm telling you, this is it. This is the one right here. Um, And as always, uh, we're just going to go position by position, go with an expensive guy that we're locking into all lineups, those middle range guys, to balance things out. And then, of course, any cost savers we can go at each position. Before we dive into that, Ian, do you have any type of, like, general strategy you typically tend to follow on these types of lineups or do you just kind of play it by the week and check out the prices every week?
0: It's, it's a little bit just by the week, but in general it kind of meshes pretty well with just my uh, article process where, you know, uh, uh, Sunday ends, you know, Sunday, between Sunday night and Tuesday morning, I rewatch all the games on game pass and that, and they're, and they're lovely condensed replays. Yeah. And, then, uh, t- and then Tuesday it's time for like all the RB snap counts and, You know, figuring out who's moving around. Got to stay on top of injuries, obviously. Uh, So do a backfield article then, just keeping up on everything. Wednesday is wide receiver cornerback day, which is more or less just the passing games as well. Make sure we're good there. Thursday, I look at some, you know, pressure, pace, different kind of more game-wide stuff like that. And then uh, by Thursday afternoon, it's time to look at the prices. So I, I really, you know, I, w- I will look at prices earlier in the week, but I try to give myself a real solid base of knowledge before going in and looking at the prices. I just feel like that way you're kind of uh, you're a little bit less prone to maybe just uh, making different opinions on guys because of their DraftKings price and this or that. But you know what? A lot of people uh, smarter than me have different processes. So I think it's just finding something that you're comfortable with and works for you.
2: I love it, man. I do the the same exact thing. I make all my rankings early on the week. I make sure that's done on Tuesday with a lot of the research you're suggesting there. And then when I look at the the prices, I'm like, holy shit, I have, let's say, Coleman at RB13 this week, but he's only 5K. What's going on here? Yes, Um, I love
0: having Coleman. Thank you.
2: Yes, yes. Good, we're on the same page with that one. I'm just throwing the, the first one out there. You got a great minds think alike. I fucking love it. Um, He's literally
0: my favorite play this entire week. I can't believe you said him first. And people I, I, were down to me on Twitter. I was getting
2: mad, man. Hell yeah, no, I'm absolutely, <laughs> man. I'm pumped that we'll, we'll let you go into him in a little bit when we get to the running backs because I'm all about him. But I couldn't believe it. He was in my like you know low end RB one tier, and I see him prices like a, a low end RB two. Our guy Jimbo over here is like a, a the master of the spreadsheet, So we've been working on like creating something with my rankings and DraftKings prices and where they rank and it's it's going to come out beautiful I, I don't know when we're going to finalize one of those Jimbo no I know it's looked uh he, he's just he whips him up in like 10 minutes and it's like I, I would take me three hours the guy's a fucking brainiac over there you can just look at him yeah Jimbo but no he's been in the money the last few weeks too so we got we got some good shit coming for you guys here folks let's dive right into the running backs since we started with Tevin Coleman already but we're going to go with the the more expensive range actually as we're going my buddy Rich Zenos who I keep saying is going to join the podcast he's actually a professional national whatever you call it, professional DFS, but it's what he does full time. He won like sixty K a couple weeks ago, so he knows what the fuck he's doing and he's suddenly just texting me all his plays of the week. So I'll I'll toss those in there for the, the Ooh, folks as well. Need those. I know. The Xeno score plays of the weeks. I know. He's gonna join one of these weeks, but uh, he, last week we lost power up in the northeast here, so it was tough for him to join them this week. Who knows where he's at? But one of these times we'll hear his lovely voice. But till then he's got we got some plays from a, a true professional coming in right now, too. So loaded episode coming let's start with the big running backs everyone's gonna you know what you want to pay up for who you're gonna lock in no matter what the price uh Hart you want to lead us off with everything
0: yeah I'm going to the guy that we didn't have last week and it was weird but uh Christian McCaffrey he's 9200 man and I think he could be like 10,000 this guy's load is just insane and especially on DraftKings for the full for the for the having the full point per reception, like I, even the top running backs, if they have these big pass game roles like McCaffrey, they still just seem underpriced. I mean, he's racked up 27, 37, 25, twenty-six touches uh during Cam Newton's four-game absence. I mean, if I understand Kyle Allen is undefeated as a carter as a starter, he's a solid game manager. He played very well against the Arizona Cardinals, but like come on. All Kyle Allen does is exist in the two seconds between getting the snap and giving McCaffrey the yeah. ball. Like, <laughs> Please give Cam the starting job back the second he is healthy enough to do so. But regardless, with this kind of workload with McCaffrey, and particularly just the receiving load, man, 7.3 targets per game this season, like he is the only running back right now with Kamara banged up and you know, kind of the – we've seen the Giants get Ingram and Golden Tate involved. McCaffrey is the only running back on the slate that is truly his team's number one runner, number one receiver, and even at 9,200 – I still think he's too cheap. I think there's enough value at running back wide receiver. I'm sure we'll get some guys later that you can't afford to pay up and get him this week.
2: Sure thing. The San Fran matchup doesn't really scare you off at all. The way that defense and defensive line in particular have been playing.
0: They're awesome. Don't get me wrong. Nothing against San Fran. I mean, Nick Bosa and those guys are dominant, but at the same time, it's just so much volume and McCaffrey we're giving the guy a week off, and you know McCaffrey truly is one of these special talents at the position as well. So whenever we can combine workload and talent, I'm a, I'm a big matchup
2: guy myself. But
0: there's just too much workload and too much talent to really worry about that much.
2: Fully with you there. What about you, Jimmy? Who are you loading up on this week for the expensive guys?
1: I like Leonard Fournette. He's uh he's not really up there as McCaffrey is with his workload per se, but you know the guy's still getting 20 plus carries a game. And the thing with him that's so frustrating is he just can't score a touchdown yet. For like the last four weeks, he, I think he has one rushing touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just saw Sony. For the Sonny season, Michelle, I think it's actually one yeah, rushing touchdown. Not season, even just man. the four
2: weeks, he's up to uh, one. So, yeah, positive. <laughs>
1: it's, it's so frustrating. You want to think that water finds its level. And we saw yeah. Sony Michel for how <laughs> awful he's looked this entire year. He managed to somehow trip over his own feet into the goal line three <laughs> times. So, if he's able to do that, I have full confidence in Leonard Fournette to be able to at least score one, hopefully two touchdowns this week against the Jets. You know, they're a home favorite, a good game script there. So I'm probably going to be playing a lot of Fournette this week.
2: I d- totally see the Fournette play. Uh, I mean, not not McCaffrey per se on workload, but not far off. I think he had 31 touches last week. He's been hovering right around 25 or so per game. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love the four-net play. The Jets are 26th against the runs, so, I mean, definitely a solid play there for sure. Um, and I, I like the, the next most expensive running back to McCaffrey. That's Barkley. Uh, last week, he came back, looked pretty much like himself, maybe shaking a little rust off, getting his feet under him. But who better to truly get your feet under you than Detroit, giving up the third most points to running backs? We just saw Dalvin Cook put up a 30-burger on him, and I think Barkley could do absolutely the same. I, similar to McCaffrey, when fully healthy is that top option in both the running. And receiving game. I know Ingram and Tate are definitely you know high target monsters there. But uh, my script, and we'll see. We'll get to Daniel Jones at quarterback. But I really just think this is a coming out party for the Giants. I, I don't know why. Maybe just call it a gut party. But two defenders in terms of that secondary banged up. Uh, you know, or not banged up. One traded away. Uh, digs to the the Seattle Seahawks, and then we got their best corner, their sleigh banged up. So just as a whole, I think this offense is going to dominate, which gives Barkley two to three touchdown upsides. I think we have a monster performance from him. So if you're pivoting away from McCaffrey, I really like that matchup for Barkley personally. Now looking at the the middle range guys, that five to seven K-ish, uh, who are you liking in that price point, Harditz?
0: My guy, Tevin Coleman. <laughs> that and look, look, he's in a committee. Guess what? Everyone except about three running, three or four running backs in the league are in a committee. So we just need to recognize that it's not so much committee running. Committee running backs shouldn't scare us off. It's running backs in three to four back committees that should scare us off. That's not been San Francisco. It's been Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida. Raheem Mostert, two weeks ago, got five touches. Last week, Jeff Wilson had four touches when Breida was sidelined a little bit. Had to go to concussion protocol. Got his eye poked. It has just been Coleman and Brita when they're like not blowing teams out over these last three weeks. And in that time, Coleman's racked up sixteen touches in each of those three games. Yeah. Uh people have been worried about his pass down floor a little bit, but the thing is, like three week I mean, this is his past game floor in general. Three weeks ago, they had juice check. Two weeks ago, we actually did see him get some targets, and last week we just we should more or less just dismiss <laughs> everything that happened in that 49ers redskins game because they're playing in a foot of mud. So we got a running back that is his team, that is the starting running back on the league's most run-heavy team in a great matchup against the Panthers because, look, yes, the Panthers are a good defense this year, but they're a huge run funnel unit. They're number three in DBO against the pass, 30th against the run. I mean, they got rid of Thomas Davis. They don't play three linebackers every single down anymore, which, hey, it's helping against the pass, obviously, but they haven't really faced a team like the 49ers who's going to run it down your throat all game. So – Everything's lining up for Tevin. I, I just can't believe he's this cheap. We got guys like James White, Melvin Gordon, Royce, and Devontae Freeman who have these same exact committee problems that people just want to dismiss Coleman for. And it's it's just insane to me because again, there's so many touches in this run-heavy offense. There's only two backs to be there, and his salary dropped six hundred from last yeah. week. Like, I, I don't I don't know what, what DraftKings has against Tevin Coleman, but we got a good player in a great offense and a great matchup for only five k. Like. GPP, cash, I'm going to have an irresponsible amount of Tevin Coleman exposure this week.
2: I think that's, I'm glad you mentioned that too, before I get into my take on Cole, because I totally love him as well. This podcast is GPP centric, uh, and you know, we're we're going for the Millie, as I made sure to say at the beginning, but I just want to make sure listeners know, we're not really going for the safest of plays, we're trying to avoid some chalk and differentiate our lineups and whatnot here too, so making sure that preface is out there for everybody listening, this is a tournament focus, Um, and specifically the Millionaire Maker, we're not looking at Monday night football, Thursday night tonight, or any of that, we're looking at that one to four slate on Sunday, so... So just making sure that's clear for everybody uh, out there. If you're, if you're listening to this, you already know that. But just making sure. Yeah, Coleman, though, I mean – we saw Jeff Wilson have two two touchdown days. And you're telling me that Tevin Coleman, he, he's long overdue for that. He's definitely that goal line back there. I thought it was coming last week, but as you mentioned, playing in a flood like does not help your touchdown scoring <laughs> chances. So, yeah, I think I think Coleman definitely gets that. At least one, but definitely, you know, I, I just think this is the week he gets two scores in there, pounds it in. I'm such a sucker for the Shanahan zone blocking scheme. Always have been. It just makes monsters out of everybody. So I love his 5K price point. Uh, I also love Marlon Mack this week. I think you know that that defense I love always looking at those defenses where they're strong you know very strong in one end like you know Philly's so great against the run but their they're secondary you just can bomb them all day Denver's almost the reverse of that their secondary is great they're locking down you know quarterbacks to the third fewest points and wide receivers the second fewest but running backs have been running wild on those guys and Marlon Mack has you know he when the script is right for this guy they pounded twenty five times. He rips off one hundred thirty yards, and I just think against Denver, they're gonna have no problem putting up some points early, whether that's Mac or Brissett leading the charge. There, it doesn't really matter because they're gonna bleed it out late with Marlon Mack. I think he finds the end zone, hits at least one twenty rushing, uh, and pounds it on this defense pretty well. Jimbo, who do you like in the middle middle price point this this week?
1: I'm um, trying to keep an eye on Latavius Murray. Um, I'm mm-hmm. hoping they rest Camara. Uh, this week, you know, give him the bye next week and then bring him back full strength. So if Kamara's out, I'm definitely going to roll with a lot of Latavius Murray. Uh, Josh Jacobs is another guy. I just, I love the volume that he's getting. 20 plus carries a game. He doesn't have a ton of uh, receiving game work, but I feel like they're trying to get him a little more involved in it. And, you know, expected shootout with Houston, a high point total. I just love his workload. And especially when they get down to the red zone, I feel like Jacobs could be a, a decent play for, he's still pretty cheap compared to his usage of what he's getting right now in Oakland.
2: Yeah, five K last week was just a complete smash button, had him in there in almost every lineup and it worked out nicely. Little worried about the injury, you know, it, there's some rumblings that he might not play. i think he does, but I'm with you. If he's out there fifty eight hundred, that's kinda nice too that they're both the same price, so if Kamara plays, you have yourself a nice solid backup plan. Yep. I know Eckler's, you know, a hundred bucks more at fifty nine hundred too, so in case you're planning on Murray, there's definitely some easy pivots. Or of course our guy Coleman right there at five K could uh save you some cash there too as well. What about the under five thousand dollars? Coleman kind of crossed that line right there at five thousand. But who's under five thousand, Ian, that you're really liking this week?
0: I like David Montgomery. Forty four hundred has not been pretty. Not yeah. been pretty at all pretty much this entire season, particularly last week. But look, he I'm gonna go out on a massive limb here and say he's gonna get more than two carries this week, guys. I mean it's just gonna happen. <laughs> me. But um look, four. I mean <laughs> before this last even last week he played 46 percent of the snaps like Trubisky is not going to throw 50 plus passes every single game uh-huh. now he even came out and said like he's not an idiot they're going to run the ball more which was just kind of a funny thing to say but w- whatever like david montgomery it's a again it's a two-back backfield mike davis has played five total snaps since week three uh tariq cohen he's getting the pass down work with 19 receiving yards and nine catches last week like, just just a ridiculous game from top to bottom for this mm-hmm. team but we still have a guy that before last week was averaging over 15 touches per game on the season, and now we got him at home against a Chargers defense that has pretty much faced nothing but backup quarterbacks for the last month and still not managed to stop these offenses. And then just looking at the run games, like, they've all been going off. They've allowed at least 16 points per reception to on Johnson, Derrick Henry, Phillip Lindsay, Marlon Mack, James Conner. Like, this is not a Chargers front seven we need to fear. They might get Melvin Ingram back, but even then, like we shouldn't be fading a running back just because of one defensive lineman, unless maybe like Aaron Donald or something like that. Yeah. With all due respect to Melvin Ingram, so with all that said, it's four, he's forty-four hundred bucks. Like it's it's absurd. We don't need we don't need sixteen points. We need ten points, and he's going to meet value. So it's it's a good spot where you know maybe he pulls a Sony Michelle and can fall into the end zone a couple times. The Bears' offense can get anything going, and yeah, man, it's just. There's very few running backs under 5K that are their teams legit, you know, early down grinder and are are guaranteed this many touches. So, I mean, there's not that much removed, I think, from him and some of these guys in the lower 5K range in terms of opportunities. So it might not feel great after what we saw last week. But, you know, I I do think Montgomery is going to have better games moving forward than what we've seen so far.
2: I'm with you. I think in the second half of the season, there's going to be a breakout where he suddenly gets 20 touches and it just becomes the norm. That's how Nagy's typically operated, so it's been very disconcerting. It hasn't happened at this point, but if it's as early as this week and he's only 4,400, he's definitely going to be low-owned because everyone has that disgusting taste in their mouth. Could be an <laughs> intriguing play for sure. Uh, Jimbo, I see you got a name that's probably going to be pretty chalky. A lot of buzz around this guy right now. What do you like about Ty Johnson here this
1: week? I mean, you got to look at the increased opportunity with carry on going down. Uh, they thrust Ty Johnson into the role in 10 carries last week, and I like that he's really involved in the passing game, so you get those full point PPR points. Um, a nice little cushion to you. So, you, know, you don't need to rush for too much. If he stumbles in the end zone, that's great. He tacks on a bunch of receptions, even better. And you're only 4,900. You don't really have to score that much to make up for that price point. So I feel like he could be a good value play if you're paying down, but. After listening to you guys, I'd much rather try and uh, work an extra $100 in my life to get Tevin Coleman than Ty Johnson.
2: There could be some upside there, though. I, I, I love Coleman as much as I do. There is some upside to Johnson, at 4-3 speed. Uh, you know, the Giants giving the fifth most points to running backs and pretty much sucking against any position, regardless of who it is. So there is some upside there. I, my worry with him all week was, they're going to sign somebody. They're going to bring someone else in. I'm not blowing my fab on him. I'm not, you know, blowing my number one waiver priority on him. But they still haven't done that move, so at least for a week you're looking at Johnson probably getting that lion share of early down work. So if there's a time to use him, I'm with you. I, I think it's definitely this week, I I saw Mixon's forty six hundred. He's made me throw up all year. It's similar to like, the <laughs> David Montgomery argument, except the fact that everything sucks around him. So ultimately, I don't know if I'm still gonna bite on that. Like he deserves to be forty six. He deserves to be fucking three k. That guy's a bag of shit. So it's so intriguing that 4,600, I'm still, I, I can't do it. I'm actually pivoting and going to uh, McKissick, where a lot of people I think are going to go Ty Johnson. If I'm following that game narrative, I think the Giants are going to score a lot of points and be pounding it with Barkley. That means I think the, the Lions are going to be playing from behind, and to me, that favors McKissick a little bit. He's been that clear cut top pass catching back on a clear cut when carry on was there but since he's been out he operated as that clear third down back and on a DraftKings setting we, we've seen Stafford just very voluminously ta- target guys like Theo Riddick over the years or carry on Johnson especially when they're down we saw carry on Johnson have monster you know 10 target days even so I think McKissick could see himself seven to eight targets maybe six to seven catches and right there at 3900 even on catches alone if he had no yardage he's already kind of hitting decent value if he's the one that stumbles into the the end zone. Then suddenly, you got yourself a great play. I think both lines definitely make intriguing plays. It's just a matter of you know who's clearly Ty Johnson the one on everyone's radar. I might sneak in with McKissick and see if he can outperform him uh, for a little cheaper price point there. In terms of chalk this week. They say, according to Rotter Grounders' report, and this does change, obviously, through the week as injuries and whatnot come up, but as of Thursday, they're projecting Carson to be highest owned at 27%. He's 7K. Ty Johnson right below him at 25%, 4,900. McCaffrey, 24%. Barkley, 23%. And Edmonds, 20.3%. Are there any guys on that list, Ian, that you're like, eh, I'm, I'm good on them, I'll fade them, and, and hope that that's the bust uh, to, to avoid that type of chalk?
0: I think it's Chase Edmonds. We're seeing him priced up this week, up to 62K, I understand. I mean, I'll, it was tough to be on him last week when, you know, DJ got Schefter's mm-hmm. endorsement and all that. Just a pretty messy situation, but yeah. it's it's new this week. I mean, they've signed Alfred Morris, Zach Zenner. Clearly none of those guys are going to take Edmonds' three-down roll or anything, but, like, he played 94% of the snaps last mm-hmm. week. I, they legit, I think, entered that game thinking DJ was going to be okay, and I mean, according to Edmonds himself, like David Johnson just had his first touch and was like, I can't do this. So they pulled him out and there was just no one else to give the ball to because DJ Foster, their third string back, was hurt as well. So at the very least, like even if David Johnson doesn't play, I think we're going to see more of like a 70 to 80 percent role for Edmonds potentially. And it's just a much tougher situation. I mean, he was facing the Giants a train wreck of a defense last week. Now we got the Saints, who I, I don't think they're as they're not like a group of world beaters or anything like that, but definitely a step up. He's not going to, I don't think, be up 14 points uh, after 10 minutes of the game like we saw last week as well. So, uh, you know, Edmonds, I I was pretty down on him like after last season just because he didn't look that great in that awful Cardinals offense. I think he's talented and everything, but 20 to 30% ownership for a guy that, you know, is still their backup running back and now has the price hike, has a tougher matchup. I'm probably going to be fading that.
2: Yeah, I'm with you there. That's the one I see on this list that I'm probably going to avoid. Um, what about you, Jimbo? Is there anybody else between Edmonds or McCaffrey, Carson, Barkley, or Johnson that you're probably fading this week?
1: No, I like all those plays. I agree with you guys with Edmonds. Um, it's a little tough, especially with the price hike. Maybe if he was a lot lower uh, price, it would be easier to play him, but at this price, I just I can't do it.
2: Yeah, the, the only, and it, I, for me, because I'm so high on Barkley, it's really tough to have both Barkley and McCaffrey in lineups. So ultimately, I, I'm not going to have C-Mac on any. That could just bite me in the ass completely because we know just how ridiculous this guy is. But I'm betting my money on Barkley being that highest scoring running back and, and pivoting away from McCaffrey. Uh, we'll see how that one ends up panning out because that's going to be an interesting battle to watch all weekend with so much talent. On the field, out there, wide receiver. Now let's move to the the pass catchers. You need three of them at least, potentially four if you're going with them in your flex. So it's always great to to load up on some big names to know. Uh, let's start with you, Jimbo. Who do you like as the a big money wide receiver this week?
1: I'm feeling the God this week, Chris Godwin. Mm. Um, I like the matchup with Tennessee. You know, you can target them in the slot, and uh, I feel like Godwin. Godwin's been on fire, 12 targets, 9 targets, 14 targets his last three games. So Jameis has just been funneling passes to this guy, whereas like Mike Evans has been very inconsistent. You know you can depend on the God, and he's especially getting in the end zone too. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's still at 7,100, it's a great day for Chris Godwin coming up here. I, I don't understand how
2: the number one scoring wide receiver in fantasy per, per, per game right now is like the fifth highest price. It's just like, it's somehow DraftKings still doesn't believe in this guy. I don't know what it is, but yeah, he hasn't really been above, you know, seventy three, seventy two hundred 7,200 all year, and it's just another smash week for him. So I love that one. A guy that I might look at above that in, in terms of right around that same price is Tyler Lockett, facing Atlanta my one worry there is they get up huge early and then just kind of pound it out like we've seen Seattle do at times but in terms of building that lead I mean Lockett is going to blow through this defense time and time again I think you know he's been solid all year he's got a couple deep balls he's got a couple nice red zone scores this is that week where we finally get two just bomb Lockett's 152 scores it's a pathetic Atlanta defense I think he absolutely crushes them what about you Ian who are you looking at this week
0: I like both those calls. I'm looking at Julio here. I um, it's a little bit dependent on if Matt Ryan plays, but even if he doesn't, I mean, it's, it's been four games now without Julio finding the end zone. I just think he's too good to go this long without blow up. I and mean, we saw him beat Ramsey, you know, more than a couple of times last week. He's still very much, you know, one of these top three overall wide receiver talents in the entire league. And it, you know, it's tough to tell what's going on with Matt Ryan. He didn't practice these last two days, but Dan Quinn's saying he probably expects him to play. So uh, kind of tough to know there. But if he doesn't play, I mean, we're going to see real low ownership against a Seattle secondary that, you know, does not deserve the amount of respect they're getting in this road spot. I know the Falcons are more or less trash, but look, this like – Get the Legion of Boom out of your head. Those days have been gone for a long time. Yep. Uh, sh- sh- shout out to Shaquille Dr- uh, Griffin. He's awesome. He's PFF's n- number nine overall cornerback this year. But as was the case when Sherman was there, like Seattle does not move their cornerbacks. So who knows could be a to line up on Jamar Taylor and Trey Flowers whenever he wants. And you know he can roast those guys all day long. So yeah. uh, you know weeks three through four, he went five catches, 106 yards, two touchdowns, eight catches, 128 yards, one touchdown. Julio is still the same guy. Like He's more than capable of putting up a slate-winning performance we just haven't seen it in a few weeks. So I think mean, it could definitely be here in this home spot. And if we get a little bit less ownership than normal,
2: you know, sign me up. Absolutely. I'm surprised none of us, I I love Hopkins as well. I mean, it's pretty easy to when he's facing the 31st ranked defense against the pass. He's coming off his best game of the year, 8,100. He is the highest projected owned at 24%. He's going to be a tough one to avoid in a lot of lines just because it's so beautiful um, in terms of matchup and and not even that absurd of a price there. My guy uh, Zeno's here messaging in that, Mike Thomas is his deadlock of the week, whether it's uh, whether it's Bridgewater, whether it's uh, Breeze. He's just all aboard uh, him. He thinks he's going to destroy Peterson. If it's Peterson on him, they think he's going to move him around a lot. So he's locked into Mike Thomas at 8K. He just thinks nobody can stay with him, and I think that's a pretty good evaluation right there. Yeah. Um, in terms of quarterbacks, he said he loves Watson if he's paying up. Ryan, if he plays, he thinks it's a good spot for him. Uh, and then he said Stafford, Carr, and Breeze if he plays as well as quarterback targets. Um, in terms of middle range guys for wide receiver, who who are you leaning towards this week, Ian?
0: Smokey Brown, guys. Yes, yes.
2: You know, everyone still
0: views John Brown as this like boomer bus guy, and that just has not been the case this season. Only John Brown and Michael Thomas have at least fifty receiving yards in every game they played so far. I mean, John Brown's a wide receiver twenty three in PPR, and he's had a tough schedule so far. But I mean, he's still ahead of guys like in terms of a uh, points per reception per game. He's ahead of Diggs. He's ahead of Gallaudet. He's ahead of Tyler Boyd. He's ahead of OBJ. I mean, he's been legit so far. And now he's got the smash bottle ball smash bots against uh-huh. the Eagles. I mean, like th- the list of wide receivers that have just balled out against the Eagles over the last two years is ridiculous. And it's not like it's not just 80 yards in a touchdown games either. I mean, each of Amari Cooper, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Corey Davis, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams they've all gone for over 150 yards against the Eagles. I mean, yeah. these guys just go off. And I know they've gotten a little bit healthier. Jalen Mills is back last week. Maybe they get Avante Maddox and Ron Darby back. But we've seen these guys. Like, they're still very beatable even when they are full health. So I'm not worried about the spot at all for John Brown. He's at home. We, again, we've we've got the floor. So even if we don't get the massive boom we're hoping for, shouldn't really sink your lineup. And, you know, uh, I, I don't think we have to worry about that because I think we're looking at a boom game. And just uh, one last thing to add. Uh, every week, my wide receiver cornerback column, I just take the projected uh, matchups, take their 40 times, you know, see who has the biggest speed advantages. And I'll tell you what, guys, if the Eagles try to put Rasul Douglas on Smokey Brown, woo, we're <laughs> going to see some bird toast out there.
2: Hell yeah. (laughs) Love to hear that one. I know he was on both mine and Jimbo's list too. So all three of us all aboard that John Brown train this week. 5,900 is way too cheap for the the volume he's seeing in the the matchup this week. All about that one. Uh, In addition to him, Jimbo, I know you had Brown. Who else do you like this week at that middle range price point?
1: Uh, I love this week for this price range. There's a lot of guys in that, like, mid to 5K range that you can jam in your lineups and still get a lot of production. Um, if I'm going to go up a little bit, I love Kenny Galladay this week. Um, he I thought he would have a good week last week. Apparently Marvin Jones decided to take every single target away from him. Yeah, but this, I think it's a, good time. Exactly. it's a good time to pivot back to Kenny G against the Giants. We know the Giants suck. They're terrible. And this, is, this lines up as a great uh, Galladay, like, you know, one of those eight nine catches, 120 yards, one to two scores. I think if I remember correctly off PFF, he had one of, if not the top wide receiver cornerback matchup rating this week. So i I remember he's definitely up there, uh, but I love Kenny G this week as well uh, as a on top of Ian's already professing love of John Brown, which I couldn't endorse anymore.
2: Yeah, absolutely. If if the Giants do score as many points as I expect, I think that game has one of the—I don't know what the over-under is on that. I'm going to smash the over regardless of what it is, because I just think that's going to be a back-and-forth style shootout, and that would definitely favor a guy like Galladay. Marvin Jones is 5,800, too, if you think he can keep repeating that success. But I like targeting any type of volume and, and passing game in that entire contest— Courtland Sutton at 5,300 just blows my mind right now. Uh, The guy's now definitely the clear-cut number one target. And whereas last year that kind of crushed his value, he couldn't handle that number one coverage... I think this year, I mean, he's looked like a completely different beast on the field. Whether it's after the catch, he's breaking tackles and bursting through defenders. He's making leaping grabs over double coverage. I know nothing attached to Joe Flacco's sewage is intriguing at all, but if anyone can swim through it, like as like Shawshank Redemption, this guy is just <laughs> swimming to the end and getting free every week. And I think Sutton in a, a great spot against Indy, who's similar to the not as quite as profound as uh, or juxtaposes the Eagles, you know, great run D versus pasty, but the, the Colts aren't too much far off. They're 26th in terms of points allowed to running back, so, you know, not long, much at all, but third to wide receivers, so I think, you know, this could be another great spot for Sutton. They're probably going to be playing from behind. I think at 5,300, I'm already just going to be owned in every single lineup by everybody, but still, a great price point for him. I, and then, if Tyra Williams comes back, no one's going to really want this guy after he's been out for three weeks you know, with a foot thing, which definitely makes him risky, but he had a Every single game he's played so far, he's only 5,500 and Houston's definitely going to be putting up their points. Uh, So ultimately Tyrell at 5,500, he could definitely put up some of his own too. So I like both those guys in the middle range. Um, the range I really like at wide receiver this week is the low cost under 5k. There's like three to four names. I I feel very comfortable with in my lineup. So I want to hear who you guys have first and then maybe toss a few more if if we don't line up. Ian, what's your favorite, you know, low cost boom play this week at wide receiver?
0: I'm liking a guy that I did not realize was so talented just coming into this season. But if you watch him play AJ Brown, 4,100, I mean, this guy is a beast Every time he gets the ball, he's breaking, like, multiple tackles. I mean, the, yeah. the fact he was able to do what he did with Mariota under center is just incredible because not only was he not really getting targets, but he just wasn't even playing much to start the season. I mean, he was yeah. legit losing sh- snaps to Tajay Sharp. You know, every time I see Tajay Sharp get a target, I just get mad get angry. <laughs> and angry. But it's not, not been a problem anymore. He's been playing over 50% snaps last three weeks. He's clearly the number two wide receiver now. Even number one, I think. I don't think there's that big of a difference between him and Corey Davis week to week. Uh, with Tannehill now in this small sample, Corey Davis has 11 targets. A.J. Brown has 10. Humps at eight, and then no one else is over five. So clearly they want A.J. Brown to be the number one or number two. And like I said, man, like the, the yak is just crazy with this guy. I mean, next-gen stats, he's the number six wide receiver and expected yards up a catch over expectation. So, I mean, he's doing way more than anyone else would imagine he could do in these spots. And Look, the only secondary that's been worse than the Eagles this year and uh, fantasy points allowed to wide receivers is the Buccaneers. So awesome uh, spot for him. And honestly, moving forward as well, I just took the um, – I did a quick little thing this week where I took the um, average uh, points per reception per game allowed just seeing who has the best schedules for the next four weeks Then also in the fantasy playoffs. And the Titans have the fifth easiest schedule – for wide receivers over the next four weeks in the single best stretch in weeks 14 through 16. So, you know, there's a lot of leagues, I think, where A.J. Brown and maybe even Corey Davis in the, you know, uh, eight-man leagues and that kind of stuff, these guys are still available. Scoop them up because Tannehill, you know, he's shown more wellness to kind of throw in the coverage in these guys. And both these wide receivers are awesome. And it's just been Mariota's kind of inconsistent play and just, you know, throwing the ball to freaking Delaney Walker 10 times a game been holding them back. So uh, I think this could be a blow-up spot for A.J.
2: I love that tweet thread, by the way, I know you you mentioned that one you had out there about all the strength of schedule. that stuff is i, I love reading anything about it. And you condensed it all so nicely. So anyone that doesn't follow e and it's I heart it's, right on on Twitter.
0: Yes, sir. I h a r t
2: i t z. Don't forget the z. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, make sure you check out that and everything that Ian tweets out it, it, every day. It's whether it's informational, whether it's hilarious stuff. It's always a fantastic follow there. That that strength of schedule and being one of my favorites over the the last week. Um, I, I think that Titans. You know, Titans bucks. Everyone wants to get you know the right one there because they're also cheap on the Titans. And as you mentioned, the matchup is completely smash spot. So whether it's A.J. Brown or I see Jimmy, you got Corey Davis. Uh, somebody, if not multiple guys, are going to blow up this week. What's your case for Corey Davis this week, Jimbo?
1: I've been wrestling with Davis versus A.J. Brown all week. I keep flipping back and forth, so I'm glad Ian was able to come in here and make the case for A.J. Brown. I feel like he's definitely the more talented uh, guy and he's I feel like he's probably even more going to be lesser owned uh, with the cheaper price and he's kind of he hasn't really done it much whereas Davis kind of I wouldn't say blow up but he had a nice day last week um, if we're going to pivot away from Titans guys I'm looking at DK Metcalf I know you love Lockett this week but I kind of like DK Metcalf to sneak up on some people his uh, his end zone target numbers are pretty insane and we know how bad the Falcons are uh, on defense so there's they're definitely a team that can be burned. easily and Russ has been slinging the ball like no other so I feel like DK Metcalf if you're looking for a good tournament explosion play I feel like he's a sneaky good option here
2: I, clearly the, the blow up ceiling is there for DK especially in that type of matchup uh, The other thing with you mentioned AJ Brown every time I see him when he pops up on Renzo does, like, does he just look huge to you guys I feel like he just looks like a oh, linebacker yeah. running around out there I don't know if he has big Massive shoulder human. pads or what the hell's going on but every time I see that guy I'm like who the fuck is that monster oh my god he can run too and it's AJ Brown so I, yeah I love the talent I, I hope he continues to blossom there I love both him and Davis I think DK is a great call as well a guy I'm locking in no matter matter what in every single laps Kenny stills 4700 this week Going right into that that Will Fuller style role, he had hundred yards last week. I know the volume; it's nice on DraftKings when you get those. Alex Erickson last week, fourteen targets and nine catches. Like those those types of things rack up. It, even still, though, that shouldn't make you avoid a guy that could catch only four to five balls, but also two of them going for sixty yard bomb touchdowns. And that has that potential is there with Kenny Stills this week. He's got the second best matchup, according to Pro Football's uh, focuses wide receiver cornerback matchups that secondary just all across the board is horrible, but especially on the outside. Uh, and when you can buy time for Watson, this pass rush has not been anything special. When he has time to sit back there and dissect, no one has a better passer rating right now than Deshaun Watson. So I think him and Stills definitely connect for at least one long bomb, if not multiple. So at 4,700, I think that could be a great parse point. I also really like Jamison Crowder at 4,800. I know last week, you know, the ghost, the haunted Darnold is going to stick in a <laughs> ton of people's minds. And, and rightfully so. It was probably the most dreadful quarterback performance I've ever seen, but that's more so I think a telling tale of the the New England defense, more so than it is on Darnold the other couple of weeks where he's been out there has looked very solid, especially against those Cowboys and in those two games, Crowder's hit over 98 yards in all of them, he's seen at least 9 targets, he had 35% of Darnold's target share in those two games and so in this type of matchup too where I think they're going to be playing from behind a bit I like Crowder to, to get right back into those 7-10 to 10 catch range and at 4,800, you know, he, again, wide receiver 12 and wide receiver 18 in P. PPR formats over those two weeks. And now he's priced as like the wide receiver 40. Uh, I'm, I'm all about that. And maybe even Adam Humphreys. We're, we're talking about Davis. We're talking about AJ Brown, but this is the revenge game of them all. Adam Humphreys facing his old bucks at 3,900. The cheapest guy could just end up with, you know, a nice eight catch day out of the slot too. So someone from those Titans, if not multiple guys are going to blow up. Don't be shocked if it's even cheaper and it's Adam Humphreys this week. Uh, in terms of chalk, 24% DeAndre Hopkins makes total sense, and still hard to avoid. Mike Thomas comes in at second at 17.5. Our guy Zenos' is must-play wide receiver of the week It was him. Philip Dorsett, 17.5, which that's, that's kind of shocking, actually. But he is 4,200, so not a bad play with Gordon now, obviously, out there. Cortland Sutton coming in at 16.5. That's the one I thought would be even higher at 5,300. So if that ends up being true, I, I'd love that and lock it at 15 and a half there. Is there anyone, either you guys yeah, Ian you're fading out of that list.
0: So the guy I think that should be on that list is your boy, Kenny Stills. And look, I don't disagree with anything you said, man. Like dude's a baller. And like Deshaun Watson has awful splits with him without Will Fuller that I don't think are really applicable because of how much better of a field stretcher Kenny Stills is compared to mm-hmm. the Thomas and Deandre Carter. He was trotting out that last year, but with that said, man, like I, I've been looking at a, a shot off Fantasy Lab, some of their ownership projections, and it's looking like Kenny Stills is going to be pretty damn chalky. And it's a, it's a pretty, you know, up and down spot in the Texans offense. I mean, I love Will Fuller. I've been on the Will Fuller hype train all year. With that said, you know, he has all but one game this season. He finished with under 70 yards and no touchdowns. So. Uh, Kenny Stills got a little bit of a price hike. I'm with you. It's a great spot and everything. But if there's one position where I'm going to fade the chalk, it's going to be wide receiver. And especially, you know, with these boomer bust field stretchers, like I just don't know that Kenny Stills is set up that much better and like in that much of a better situation than a DK Metcalf or some of these other guys kind of around that uh, or Robbie Anderson. And even like uh, uh, DK Metcalf and Robbie Anderson, I'd say like are two potential pivots there where, they're also field stretches are also guys that could potentially pop one off and they're just not going to have 20% plus ownership. So quarterback running back, even tight end to an extent, like I don't worry about the ownership as much, but wide receiver, like if you're over 20% uh, projected, unless you're looking at like guaranteed
2: double digit targets, I'm probably gonna be fading them in tournaments. Good, good points all around there. What about you, Jimbo? Who are you uh, looking to fade out of anybody on that list?
1: I think they're all pretty good plays. Uh, Dorsett's a little tricky. I don't see him being really a blow-up guy in tournaments. He seems more like a cash play to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd much rather go after our Titans guys than play Dorsett this week.
2: Absolutely. Let's get on to the uh, the quarterbacks now. Um, And so – I typically save money. I think this is a decent week to save money at the position. But if we're paying up, there are seven, definitely some juicy slates here for people. Ian, what's the quarterback if you're going to pay up this week? You you would be targeting in leagues,
0: Mr. Kyler Murray, and he is even that expensive. I mean, you know, like we haven't we didn't mention Hopkins. we one of you guys might mention Deshaun Watson. Like they're definitely in awesome spots. I have nothing against them, but I'm just you know looking a little more. Uh, for off-the-radar to an extent. But, yeah, so in addition to that Redskins 49ers game, we should take this uh, Cardinals-Giants game from last week a little bit with a grain of salt because it was pretty much a downpour the whole time. And the Cardinals built a 14-0 lead like 10 minutes into the game. We're not going to see that this week against the Saints. Uh, Kyler Murray only had 21 pass attempts last week. Before that, he had at least 32 in every game. So safe to say we should get a higher pass game uh, volume floor for Kyler this weekend. Look, the rushing's been there. We all kind of were panicking about it after the first four weeks of the season. He wasn't running around that much. But three straight games now with double-digit carries. And like they're sustainable. Like only Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray have over a hundred rushing yards this season on design quarterback runs. Kyler's awesome scrambling as well, but they're going out of their way to get him just involved because he's awesome. He is fast as shit. And he is yeah. very good at making dudes miss. So he's got probably the second best rushing floor at this point behind Lamar Jackson, even above guys like Josh Allen and uh, Deshaun Watson, just because so much of it is coming on design runs. Uh, so not a great matchup on the road against the saints who again are a good defense, but I don't think we should crown them just yet. They've still, they've still allowed 24 plus points in five of seven games this year. And the big thing for me here is look, we know Kyler and hopefully they get Christian Kirk back this week, which would help. But you know, this passing game has flown through the slides. It's been Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk have been their target hogs, one healthy. And if you look at the Saints defense, PJ Williams is suspended for another. He's their normal starting cornerback. Then Patrick Robinson, their backup, pulled his hamstring on like the first play of the game last week. He hasn't been practicing. He's looking doubtful. Then Eli Apple, you know, shout out Ohio State's own, hyper-extended knee. He's been, uh, you know, limited at practice so far, so I'm not sure if he's going to play. So banged up group of Saints corners. I think we're going to see more fantasy-friendly game script for Kyler. And again, he's got a floor, so I like it.
2: Absolutely. and he's As you mentioned, probably not on a ton of radars right there, so I think that's a a great spot to hit right there. What about you, Jimmy? Who are you looking at for paying up at quarterback this week?
1: Uh, It's tough to stray away from Deshaun Watson this week. Oakland, that defense and secondary is just terrible. And what Aaron Rodgers did to them last week was probably a crime in many states. Uh, (laughs) But Watson just looks so good in this spot here. I love Hopkins. I love Fuller. I just, I love everyone in this offense and his rushing ability just makes it that much better. Cause his ceiling opens up so much compared to guys like Goff, who Oh, well, I mean, Goff didn't run one in last week. So that doesn't, I, I kind of just shot myself <laughs> up <laughs> there, but, um,
0: his, that was a, that was a vulture quarterback.
1: Yeah, team. exactly. Yeah. Okay. Good. But I mean, <laughs> his, his ceiling is just so much higher with the rushing ability and just his arms are real. And I, I love what this offense and I've, there's going to be so many points scored in this game. I feel like it's. I, I'm having a hard time staying off Watson this week.
2: Yeah, if I was going to pay up, I think I would be Watson for me as well. I wrote down Goff at six thousand eight hundred, but then just remember they're in London, so it's not really home Goff against a bad team. It's it's London Goff, and who knows what that's going to end up being. So I I don't know if if I am going to pay six thousand eight hundred, might as well pay the extra one hundred, two hundred, whatever it takes me to get to that Deshaun Watson level. Or I, I like that Kyler Murray take. I you know I I knew he was running around a lot, but when you hear the actual stats, it helps paint that picture a lot. and I do think his ownership is going to be much lower. Uh, than, than a lot of these other big names. I'm off the Russell Wilson train. I just think they're going to get up big and it's going to be a pound the, the the rock type of script. He's supposed to be the highest owned quarterback. I know we're not the chalk part yet, but a lot of people might expect us to be talking about Russ, and I'm just, he's not the one I'm paying up for this week. As much as I love the guy, I love him in a lot more of, of closer matches. If, if Matt Ryan does play, though, my opinion does end up changing quite a bit on him, so we'll see there. In terms of the middle, though, the, the way I, I find myself going, as I alluded to earlier, I like Daniel Jones this week. I, I know he's been just complete bag of shit all these last few weeks since Tampa Bay, but ultimately this is the, the, the first you know truly easy matchup he's had since then, especially with uh, their best corner out with their safety now traded. So two starters on the secondary gone. Uh, I just think Daniel Jones can run it on this guy. I think he can... He makes throws even when he sucks. He, he makes these throws, and you're like, "Oh shit, this guy does have some real arm talent here." Uh, and, and hoping his full complement of weapons is back. We don't know yet what Shepard's status is going to be. But either way, I think you have know, 5,800 in a game that I expect to be a back-and-forth shootout. I like I like Daniel Jones. I, I'm, I'm going him in a ton of leagues this week, Jimbo. It looks like you have the other side of that equation. You like Matt
1: Safford? I do. I like to attack this Giants defense anytime I can. Uh, And I feel like carry on getting hurt kind of helps Stafford a little bit where you might have to rely on throwing the ball more often to Galladay and Marvin Jones. And it just seems like whenever they play at home at Detroit in the Dome, it's like a shootout. And like you said, expecting a lot of points. You know, I expect Detroit to air it out a lot this week. And I could see a big week for Stafford here at 61.
2: What do you think, uh, Hardis? Who's your middle-range guy you're looking towards?
1: Uh, You mentioned
0: the – Dude's pick earlier. I like Matt Ryan if he can be healthy. And, you know, a lot of the same things I said about Julio Jones, Just I think the Seahawks, uh, especially as a secondary, are overrated. They got Clowney, John Reed, and uh, uh, um, Ezekiel Ansah. Bobby Wagner, obviously. They got talent in the front seven, but it's a secondary. And if we've found out one thing with the Falcons this year, they can't run the ball and they can't even stay in games, so they're going to be passing the ball the whole yeah. game. Matt Ryan threw for 300-plus yards in every single game to start the season, except last week when – I don't know. I think he would have gotten there if he didn't get hurt. Probably just, we just see them again and again and again in garbage time. I mean, like, look, yeah, I love Matt Ryan at 6K if he's healthy, especially tournament play. Quick rant like, Austin Hooper, tight end one this year by 20 points. And like, fair play to Austin Hooper and everything racking up the points. It's not his fault, but like, this is the biggest fraud of, like, a number one fantasy player we've ever seen. Like, like Chris Goblin balling out, he's a truly, like, top-level talent that is, you know, taking advantage of this. Austin Hooper this year, almost, like, look, he's had 15 catches for 169 yards and no touchdowns in the first half. In The second half, he has 31 catches for 357 yards and four touchdowns. Like, they get behind, and then they just check down to Austin Hooper the entire time, and he falls into the end zone when they're down multiple scores and it's just infuriating as someone that has a ton of Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley because there is yep. absolutely no way that they enter these games like oh you know what yeah we got yeah. Julio and Calvin Ridley but let's throw the ball to Austin Hooper all game like let's really get him involved and you know he's, he's racking up the yards man but at some point it's gonna show like I, I've seen people people have been asking me like oh should I start Austin Hooper Over these, like, is he a number one tight end this week? It's like, no, he's the number three pass game target in his offense. It just so happens that they keep getting into these comeback mode situations. And, look, I don't necessarily expect those situations to go away. So I'm not saying don't play Austin Hooper, but it's just ridiculous. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like Matt
2: Ryan. <laughs> we saw this, too, remember with the, the Bucks last year, Dirk Cutter, the, that that was the head coach, and whenever the Bucks went down, it became tight end city. That's where we had O.J. Howard yes. finally killing it, Cameron Breit. It's a, a lot of this, too. I, you know, We saw Tony G kill it under this guy, so I think that play caller has a special thing for tight ends, oh. especially when his teams are down. So, yeah, as, as you said, is Hooper anything special? Not even close to it, but the game script and the, the play calling has been there for the guy, uh, which when we get to tight ends, I, I love Austin Hooper at 50 500 this week just because it's fucking like you mentioned just dink 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 when they're where they're down and I, I like that Ryan Hooper stack for sure in terms of cheap plays we've talked a ton about the Titans already in, in terms of all these weapons they have but there's one engine to them all the guy the god himself Ryan Tannehill finally stabilizing it last week Jimmy you expected to continue this week do you like him at 5100?
1: I, I do like him, which is scary because he terrifies me, but I'm looking at his picture now, and he kind of looks like Scott Hansen, so that's definitely helping. That's a huge <laughs> bonus, yeah. yeah. Um, take, I mean, take, a seat. take a seat. Exactly. When, um, <laughs> when you're playing Tampa Bay, they, they're they basically like a funnel defense where they're so good against the run, and Derrick Henry could have himself a tough day, but they're so vulnerable in the passing game. Um, I just it's such an unsexy play with Tannehill, but he threw for three hundred twelve yards last week, two scores. I mean, I, I can easily see him replicating that for another twenty plus performance, and at fifty one hundred, I feel like that's a good, that's a very good discount. So I'm, I'm gonna have some lineups here with the Scott Hanson look alike, and it, it's, I'm gonna be clenching my butt cheeks all week over. <laughs>
2: I, I I like the play. I really do. I mean, he's completed 80% of his throws so far this year when he's when he's in there, which is just insane to imagine. But they don't ask him to do a ton, and he does it, unlike Mariota, who just sails it over people's heads or just sucks. Yeah. Uh, Tannehill's getting it done. So I'm with you. I think $5,100 a a great price point. For this guy, I actually got pissed when he got taken on my waiver wires this week because I thought I was going to be able to stream him for my DAC replacement, and now I have to look elsewhere. I saw, there's some sort of home road splits too, where he has multiple touchdowns in like four of his last five home games as well. They're back at home this week, so Tannehill definitely a a decent play, especially for all in on all these cheap wide receivers someone's got to throw it to it. So I I like Tannehill a lot. I also think Rivers at 5,300. I mean, the guy's averaging right around 20 fantasy points. He's been over 20 fantasy points in four of his six contests. So 5,300, yeah, it's Chicago, but this isn't the Chicago that was just shutting teams out completely and and just taking away whoever they were facing right now. And they've given up some decent days to quarterbacks, just the eighth ranked against the the quarterback, as whereas last year it was one and it wasn't even close. So at 5,300, I think Rivers is pretty fairly, if not overly uh, cheap right now at fifty three hundred. Is there any other cheap quarterbacks you really like this week, Ian? I'm
0: going to piggyback on Jimbo and just go with Tannehill. Yeah. I on my notes for this uh, awesome podcast, I actually wrote down Mitch Trubisky, but I can't do it. I can't yeah. do it, guys. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> Ryan Tannehill has more rush attempts than Mitch Trubisky this season. Like really? it's insane. Really, the one thing Trubisky did like well last season that you can hang your hat on was like, he was athletic and he could scramble. But it's just yeah. gone this year. He has five rush attempts for 21 yards this season. Cool. Like he averaged 30 rushing yards per game last year. So I, I, I just can't do it. Yeah, uh, I want Tannehill. <laughs> <laughs> did I,
1: score, I love Tannehill. Did he score like piano, 50 like. or 60 points one week last year because he had like a ton of rushing yards? He yeah. had like
0: yeah. He had like three or four blow up performances last year, but we just can't I mean it's been a completely different tale. It's, it's
2: ridiculous. I, I remember, yeah, it was against the Bucks if I remember correctly. He had like five passing touchdowns in the first half or something insane. It's just but that, that offense just has not even been anywhere close to that. Trubisky doesn't even look anywhere close to yeah, ugh disgusting that's, quarterback. That's why their man.
1: defense stinks now.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like the they don't have any time somewhere. of possession. Right, exactly. They're yeah. on the on the defensive side. And again, that's another reason like Rivers at 5,300, not a bad play. Projected ownership according to Roto Grinders is Russ the highest at 13% Watson, 12% Goff, 10, Stafford, 9, and Josh Allen at 7. Uh, So that's what we got for projected chalk. Let's keep it moving because I know football is not too far away at this point. Uh, Big Thursday night game coming up. We need McLaurin to smash it tonight uh, for my fantasy Mm -hmm. teams all over the place. We'll see what happens there. Your OSU boy, right, Harditz?
0: Yeah, it's deserve McLaren F1, baby.
2: Hell yeah. Uh, but let's get to tight ends here. Uh, and Definitely some intriguing options across the board, um, even towards the top here. Who do you love this week, Ian, if you're paying up at tight end?
0: He's not too expensive. Gerald Everett. I mean, this guy yeah. is a baller, man. Sean McVay has been giving him the Jordan Reed comp since they uh, drafted him, and you can see it out there. I mean, he has, like, the most broken tackles of any pretty much, like, tight end or wide receiver by far. I mean, you watch the dude... With the ball in his hands, AJ Brown esque at times. Yeah. He is that good. And he's getting the targets now. It was always just him and Higby just used to split targets and then they just there was three wide receivers and gurley. But the difference between last year and this year is that the Rams don't throw their running backs. Only the Ravens have fewer targets per game to the running back group than the Rams this season. So- Doesn't make any sense. Chug Bay obviously knows way more than any of us will ever know our entire life about football. So I'm not trying to say he doesn't know what he's doing, but at the end of the day, Jill Everett's more getting targets now. He's had at least eight targets in three of his last four games. He never reached eight targets in any of his previous career games. So certainly a shift there. Higby only had seven targets combined over the last three weeks. So Everett has definitely become that number three to four pass game option in any given week. So Awesome spot for the Rams, you know, against this Bengals defense. They've been 28th in DBOA against the tight end position this year. And in Absolutely. that four-game stretch, in that four-game stretch, Everett's been the overall PPR tight end too. So he can keep that going. He's still kind of priced down. And I think uh, this is a smash spot for him.
2: I, I love the call. I have Everett as my hometown league tight end, and he's just been a beast. Uh, your Roto World colleague, uh, John Daigle, over here had a great tweet that I – I love this week. He's been number one tight end in targets these last three games with 26. Number one tight end in air yards, 240. Team high 30 percent of air, air yard share. I um, mean, then the number Ooh. 19 among all wide receivers in receiving yards over these three games. So the guy has been just absolutely crushing it. He's, you know, I know you said he might be the number three or four target on his team. He might be the number two behind only Cooper Cup at this point. Team <laughs> high air yard share of these last three. So yeah, I love the spot for him. And tight end is a little bit of a different position where we don't have like that clear cut expensive middle. And low cost, so I, I like throwing him out there too. Um, Jimbo, who are you paying up for this week, or just you know middle to, to high tight end? Then we'll just go with the boom plays after that.
1: If I'm looking for someone, you know that I'm looking for a high ceiling pay up for, uh, I do like Darren Waller. Um, mm-hmm. His usage in that offense is pretty crazy. Uh, he puts he's basically a wide receiver out there, and we're expecting a lot of points with this uh, Texans Raiders game. So I, Tyrell coming back could hurt him a little bit, but I feel like he still gets enough to pay off at 5900 I mean Waller he's just been absurd this year
2: probably the fantasy value pick. I mean, if you even had to pick him off the waiver wire, a lot of people too. Uh, one of, if not the biggest value. at such an inconsistent position. Definitely this year's kettle just been insane. Darren Waller, well-deserved extension coming. I do like Evan Ingram at 5,300, just keeping with that Giants theme. If I have you know, Danny Jones, I'm looking to stack him with Ingram more so than Tate. I think this is the week he kind of rebounds after that abysmal performance last week. A lot of people will be off him, but only 5,300. They're not good. The Lions against the tight end, 24th ranked right now. Uh, So I I like him, especially without any type of safety help there. Um, In terms of cheap plays, we've talked about the Titans quite a bit, and I love Jonu Smith at 2800 I mean, talk about a cost saver that could easily find the end zone. He went for 60 yards on three catches last week, and I don't think Walker is expected to play. Uh, He only played five snaps last week before tapping out. So I think he could be a great bargain basement option that ultimately everyone else is chasing the wide receivers, as I will be too. But if I want to just cut cost, I think that is a fantastic way, uh, even if it's just my flex at 2,800. I don't see anyone having that type of touchdown. And yardage upside is Jonu Smith, a very athletic guy. Is there any other just dart throw tight ends that you feel good about, Ian?
0: Dallas Goddard, he's uh, been working side-by-side with Ertz pretty much. I mean, he's not a backup tight end at this point. He's playing 60-70. Mm-hmm. to percent snaps per week I and mean, without Deshaun Jackson there he's more or less been like their number three or four uh pass game option Bill's tough matchup but it's only 2,800 I mean he is very affordable and you know you can put him in there I don't know that him or Jonu are going to be super high owned uh regardless so you know I don't hate the uh, the Jonu call as well but um yeah Goddard's been the PPR tight end 10 over the last four weeks so he's obviously been providing way more value than what he's priced at right now
2: Love it. What about you, Jimbo? Anybody you're looking at for a cheap guy here?
1: I like both your calls so far. I feel like those are both really good. Um, If I'm going to look to go cheap, you know, shout out Al Zeidenfeld. You got to trust the chart and target those tight ends against Arizona. Uh, Jared Cook's not bad at 4,000, but Josh Hill at 3,200. That could Mm -hmm. be a really good play there. He managed to score a touchdown last week, three catches, three three yards. Uh, You got to trust the chart sometimes, and Josh Hill could be a guy that pays off for you.
2: Yeah, especially if Cook's out. I think that could be a great smash spot as well. Uh, Chalk-wise, we got Waller 14%, uh, Ertz at 13%, which kind of surprises me. I don't know what Fantasy Labs, they might uh, say something different there. I couldn't believe uh, Ertz was 13%, even at 5,100. He's just been nothing this year. Kittle 10%, Ingram 9%, and Henry 8% is what Roto-Grinders is currently projecting at tight end. I don't know that I love really any of those uh, chalky plays. Is there anybody in particular you to race there, Ian?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm saying it's a lot lower on yeah. uh, these projections, so I'm with you there. I don't, I don't know if there's anyone you really need to go out of your way to fade uh, yeah, this week. Right. I mean, yeah, I don't think anyone's even going to have that high. Of, there's not like just a single smash spot tight end this week, so right. I, I, think you're, I think you're more or less good. Uh, go ahead and play your matchup. Play your guy. Don't worry about the ownership as much for this position.
2: Absolutely. Um, in terms of defense, I mean, obviously we know the Patriots are one of the best options, averaging over 20 fantasy points a game, which is just insane. And another great matchup against the, the interception league leader right now in Baker Mayfield. Uh, so that's obviously a great spot. Are there any other defense besides them? I mean, you've got to pay up at 4300 but clearly that's been worth it every single time you've had to pay up for them. They, they continue to come through, and I think they will again. What other defenses, Jimbo, uh, is there one that you're targeting besides the Patriots this week?
1: Uh, I do like spending down. If I do spend down this week, it's probably going to be the Colts. Um, just targeting Joe Flacco, I feel like, is yeah. just money. Where he's almost guaranteed to have like a sack fumble six or throw a pick six. or He, he seems to be a turnover machine. In that last game you played against Kansas City, he made the Chiefs defense look pretty elite, which I think is pretty hard to do um so i I, indy at home could be a good one if i'm paying down this week
2: absolutely i mean they've they've shut down you know they've had more fantasy points against mahomes and and watson these last couple weeks and now you get flacco so definitely an intriguing spot what about you ian is there any other uh defensive names you want to shout out here
0: I think on the other side of the ball, the cheapest good defense this week is the Broncos at 2100. I know they had a really rough start this the season, but really over the last month, even though they lost Bradley Chubb, I mean Vic Fangio and these guys, like the defense has been fine. It's been more more Joe Flacco's problem. I mean they're a thin play because you know Jacoby does a good job not turning the ball over. The Colts are so well coached with Frank Reich. I think if you know if I was building like a cash lineup or just wanted like a cheap high floor defense, I'd look at the Bills at a 3,000 at home facing this Eagles team. You know, we've seen Wentz take some sacks uh, over the past few weeks. He's a different quarterback when they don't have, you know, a field stretcher like D yeah. uh in the fold. So uh, Buffalo top five pass defense by pretty much any metric, nice home field advantage. Only three K. I think they're still a little cheap.
2: Yeah, definitely a couple of nice names to toss up there. The few others I've looked at it tossed in the Titans at 3,200. I mean, Winston, what six turnovers last week. Definitely complete garbage that could be a good home spot the Seahawks if Ryan sits are only 2,800 and then the Rams too I mean now they got Ramsey and they're facing you know the awful Bengals who just cannot block anybody Aaron Donald's going to have probably six sacks himself this week so I think that could be a blow-up spot if you want to pivot away from that expensive Patriots they're 500 bucks cheaper at 3,800 and could be that top scoring defense of the week Alrighty righty guys, that's that's all I got planned on this one. I appreciate the time, Ian and Jimbo, as always. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining. Ian. Is there any type of social medias articles, anything you want to pump before you head off?
0: Check me out on Twitter at iHeart I'll send out my uh, you know all my articles on there, but every week, injury dashboard, breakdown down every injury. Great on every running back, backfield, every wide receiver, cornerback matchup, and my baby, the mismatch manifesto where I look at more game-wide stuff. So this was fun, guys. Thanks for having me on.
2: Hell yeah! Thanks so much again for for being so generous for the time. I got to, I've I've always loved Roto World. It's always been you know my go to for the blurbs. The news are, are so great. And this year I've, I've sent you a few. Just like this has to be you right? Whoever the new writers are that you guys have there. <laughs> I know some of them have been you, and you've been like some of these aren't even me. I can't take credit for. You guys have worked a ton more like fantasy lingo and humor and everything into those blurbs. So I've always loved Roto World just for the the format of it. But now the the, the humor and everything behind everything too is just taking it to that next level. Uh, you guys are awesome there. So. I'm, I'm taking
0: credit. I'm taking credit for one blurb and that was Midwest Bortles is Mr. Trubisky. That was me.
2: <laughs> oh, nice. That's a great call. Midwest <laughs> Bortles. I love that one. Um, awesome, dude. And then of course, if you're, you know, you're a long time listener, you know, this is the fantasy fullback dive. We pave your path to 2019 titles of the rotostreetgeneral.com where we breed and feed fantasy wolves. Make sure you catch us. On Facebook Live for the Fantasy Tailgate this Sunday. We're trying to beat our 250 live question uh, record of a few weeks ago. We had a couple down weeks in terms of, you know, we've hit like 150, 200. We want to break that 250 threshold. So come on down. Join the Fantasy Tailgate. Come drink with me and CJ, the bald one, and we'll we'll have a great show with you guys. Until then, Wolfpack, we are out.
1: Second effort, third
0: effort, touchdown, oh that's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.